Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. I would like to thank everybody who contacted me after last week's episode with Mick Wall. It's already been one of the most popular episodes of Feckin' Metal ever. And as I record this, that's just within six days of launching the episode. So thank you, anyone who contacted me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, and other methods of contact. Thanks to anybody who gave me positive feedback about that one. I really appreciated it. It was great to chat to Mick, and it was a huge boost actually for Feckin' Metal. Um, it's even it's one of the most popular episodes on the Feckin' Checkin Podcast Network. And again, only after six days. So really great to see that. And uh, thanks again to Mick who gave me um, ninety minutes of his time there last week. He's he's extremely busy trying to set up his own Patreon account, as you would have guest from listening to the end of that podcast episode that I did with him so I really appreciate that too um I mentioned the feckin check-in podcast network there that's obviously the place where you can find feckin metal and has been for the last year or so and I have some news about that it's kind of an announcement about an announcement so over the past actually over the past 10 months I've been considering the idea of moving feckin metal to its own podcast feed essentially making it its own standalone podcast uh, this is for a couple of reasons one is that I understand when people go and f- try to look for the podcast it can be difficult because if you look up feckin metal you'll get brought to individual episodes of it or you'll get brought to a list of episodes of it but it won't bring you to the actual podcast homepage because that is the feckin check-in podcast network I also understand it's confusing for people who want to um, listen to podcasts about heavy metal and then within the same podcast feed they're seeing podcasts about animals and about football and if you go far back enough about rap music and all sorts of things and that was the original plan of the Feck and Check and Podcast Network to have podcasts about multiple topics but when it grew and especially when Feck and Metal grew into its own entity Uh, I I did realize that eventually it would have to go out on its own and the task itself of putting it out on its own is a bit of a pain in the hole you have to launch the podcast again as if from scratch even like me if you are just opening a second channel on your already existing account with your podcast host uh, platform so there's a bit of work in it and I didn't want to do it too hastily I wanted to see if the good fortune that I had with people listening to it and it gaining momentum would continue and it did and um some of the sabbath episodes have been very popular and then like individual episodes with guests have obviously been very popular as well but what didn't happen in the early days was when guests came on and i got a boost the people who listened wouldn't really hang around uh for the next episode let's say if it was just me on my own now that has been happening more recently in the last few months i seem to have built an actual following of people um i keep in touch with many of you on twitter and some of you on facebook uh, on twitter it's at feckin metal cast on facebook it's just uh, the feckin check in podcast network again confusing um but yeah so it, it's gathered its own following uh i've got some particularly interesting guests i think and people who i've had in mind for a long time as well and i've managed now to actually get some of those to agree to be on it so i think it's time for feckin metal to stand alone now this is not the actual announcement i have got one episode launched on its own podcast feed but everything is wrong about it it's the the artwork is wrong the actual name of the podcast itself is wrong i really just did it as a tester but it has worked so there is an episode the mickwall episode is out there under a different uh, feed on spotify you probably won't find it because it's weirdly titled and i don't want anybody to find it yet when that day comes which will be very soon i will announce it on twitter Twitter and on social media. Uh, I'll be setting up a specific feckin' metal page for the podcast itself on Facebook, 
and I already I obviously already have my own Twitter account, but that day is coming. There's going to be a change. If you've subscribed to one feed, you'll need to go and subscribe to the other. I am not sure if there will be a period where the episodes will appear on both feeds. I'm discussing this with my podcast hosting platform at the moment. Um, I, I, I was asking if data can transfer from one feed to another. I don't know if it can. I'd like to keep track of all the, you know, the info and the data and stuff about the episodes and not have it lost. Uh, but if it can't, so be it. But we'll see. But there is going to be an announcement coming soon about that. I'll be sure to keep you all updated, give you the new link to follow the podcast on when that time comes. But that time hasn't come yet. Uh, but I'm just warning you that it is coming. So just be aware of that and um, keep an eye out and an ear out for information about that. When it's ready, I will be sure to share it and make sure that everybody knows about it. I'm even going to do a small episode of the podcast on the old feed, which is this one you're hearing it on right now so that you can make yourself aware of where to find it in the future. Um, so that's that bit of business out of the way. Uh, this week, and it is weekly this time, I'm doing one episode per week for the last two weeks. And uh, Sorry, that's something I'm going to do again in the future. Um, initially, when I started Feckin' Metal, it was every Friday, and it made me very productive. It certainly made me productive in hunting down guests but also coming up with ideas for episodes and when i started the sabbath arc it was such a mammoth task that i well initially i took a month off to get my head around how i was going to even do it um and it became a bit stressful but then even after a while those episodes they took so long to edit that i was taking maybe two weeks sometimes three weeks in between them and i know that's not great as a listener and as a fan of the podcast you want to hear an episode at least at regular intervals and i appreciate the fact that the intervals have been quite irregular at the moment and if you don't follow me on twitter and you just listen to the podcast you might know anything about what's going on and that's fair enough um some people don't want to engage on social media they just listen to a podcast because it's a podcast and i completely understand that um that's that's fine and that's normal <laughs> but um yeah, I plan to go back to every Friday. It's not going to happen this week, and it won't happen next week, but I'm hoping in two weeks' time I'm going to have a Friday episode, and that's going to be the start of a regular Friday episode every Friday, like it was in the beginning, in the before times, in the long, long ago, when I was a productive podcast host and a productive podcast editor and creator, and I think I can get back there, and I plan to get back there, and realistically, when it's on its own feed, separated from anything else, a standalone podcast with the backlog of episodes and guests that I've had, it deserves to be a weekly podcast. And I need to give myself a kick up the arse and make that happen. And I will do that. But this week on Feckin' Metal, I am not revisiting the Sabbath arc just yet. There are two episodes in uh, 50% level of completion, I'd say. I did three more interviews for the final episode um, to flesh it out because the quality of the last few I believe, increased quite a lot. And I didn't want to shortchange the last couple of episodes, um, which focus on uh, Cross Purposes and Forbidden, and then the reunion album with Ronnie James Dio, uh, The Devil You Know, and then the reunion album with Ozzy, and the bits and pieces in between, you know, the reunion tour with Ozzy, and um, everything else in between, the Bill Ward situation, etc. So I didn't want to shortchange anybody with those episodes. So I did do some new interviews to flesh it out, one with a voice you're familiar with if you've been listening and two new people who will be joining the sabbath arc just for that last episode which focuses on uh, the devil you know and 13 so i will get to those shortly but before that i am doing a review episode or two or maybe even three of the iron maiden album senjutsu this has obviously been out a month now it's pretty much there thereabouts so i think it's a good time i've let the album sink in 
quite a lot and I've formulated opinions on the songs and um, I am going to be speaking to, in just a short few minutes, a good friend of mine called Andrew De Broy. This is somebody I met in the Carton Horses in 2018. That's in London. I'm sure you'll all be familiar with that. Uh, in 2018, on the Legacy of the Beast tour, I was visiting London for two nights, a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, Iron Maiden were playing the O2 Arena in London on both nights. I only had tickets for the Sunday night, but on the Saturday, I went with my wife and my friends down to the Carton Horses, which was six minutes walk from the hotel, and that was by design. I booked the nicest hotel with the closest possible location within a particular budget, uh, closest to the Carton Horses that I could find. It wasn't a very nice hotel, but it did the job, and we didn't really spend that much time in it anyway, so it didn't really matter. But um, yeah, it was... A fucking brilliant weekend, one of the best weekends of my life, a life-changing weekend, I'll say, um, and I think I speak about that later in the podcast, unless I've edited that bit out, because we had a few drinks um, before and during this episode, so keep that in mind when you're listening. The quality might reduce slightly due to alcohol intake as the episode goes on. Now, I had quite a lengthy audio file to edit here with Andrew, um, so I have made a few cuts. You might notice some of them, but at the same time, I think we kept the spirit of what the podcast was about, and that was to review Senjutsu. Um, so yeah, I've known Andrew for three years. We've kept in touch ever since that Cart and Horses day. We've been good friends ever since. We've had many Zoom calls. Uh, we keep in contact in other ways as well, and it was a, it was an absolute pleasure to get him on Feckin' Metal. We were trying to come up with an episode where he could appear, but I said, if, if, you, if I have you on, I want it to be something meaningful. I don't want to just have you on just because you're my friend and have an episode like that. I'd like it to be something worthwhile and something that we could both speak passionately about. And obviously the new Iron Maiden album was announced a while back and then it came out and then it was released. And I was like, this is perfect. Let's do this. Iron Maiden are Andrew's favorite band as well. Now, not only is Andrew appearing on Feckin' Metal, as you hear this, he's also a guest on Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone for his Iron Maiden story series. So the day this is launched, at the same time, Uncle Steve will be launching an episode with Andrew as his guest. So if you listen to this one first and you can't get enough of Andrew and you want to listen to his Iron Maiden story, some of which you'll hear here, and apologies about that, but there's obviously going to be a bit of duplication. Well then, go straight over to Steve's podcast and listen to him there. And if you've listened to Steve's podcast and you really enjoyed Andrew and you've visited here now, maybe for the first time even, you're very welcome, and I hope you enjoy Andrew's review of Senjutsu with me. Although, a disclaimer, we only got through the first three songs, so there will be at least one follow-up episode which is yet to be recorded, but I plan to have it released next Tuesday as well. Um, and that's going to do it for this intro. Thanks for joining me here, especially if it's your first time. This is my chat with Andrew De Broy about the new Iron Maiden album Senjutsu. So look, Andrew, we know each other for actually about over three years now, um, funnily enough, um, but I've only seen you in person once. So um, tell the listener how we know each other. So and I'm sure your listeners have heard this story before, but from my perspective, it was, it was well, I guess when we first met, it was, I was quite inebriated after because I just like we're at the cart and horses where it all started and I the plan was for me to meet up with Nesbitt and Josh um, because uh, you know Talking Maiden I had started to listen to that podcast pretty early on I was one of the 
one of the earlier listeners, I would say, and I reached out and had uh, an ongoing dialogue with them for a while. And I knew that they were going to be at the cart and horses. And so met up with them and we ended up finding a table and uh, Josh, uh, Josh just kept buying us drinks like nonstop troopers or whatever, whatever he wanted to, whenever there's a drink empty, he'd come back and he's got four more drinks for the whole table. So after a while we're, we're hammered. And I think it was either book of souls or final frontier, maybe both. They might, I think they played both those albums from start to finish and we were belting out every single song and, you know, just in deep, deep conversation about Maiden and whatever. And then all of a sudden you showed up, I think, cause you went to the, to the toilet as you like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> what and do you then, call it? What do you call it? Well, I, I was going to say to the, to the washer, go for a pee. Washer. Well, I mean, I, I don't wash myself in there, so I don't know why you call it that. I know. Why, why do we call it washroom? <laughs> I think it's kind of, I don't know. Anyway. Or or bathroom. I mean, there's no bathroom or bath in the bathroom. That, that is just as valid a point, yes. <laughs> so, toilet makes more sense. So, you came back, and then we just... And you were with Kevin, I believe, and we just all started singing all of the lyrics to whatever was playing, and then... I don't know, in, instant connection, I feel like, just like with most Maiden fans that are as deeply rooted in, in loving the band as we are, we just uh, hit it off. And then I guess it was the next night when, uh, it, what was the cover band? High, was it High On? Maiden Iron. Okay, Maiden Iron. Yes, they and they which is actually an anagram of Iron Maiden. Nice. Okay, I thought it was high on Maiden. That, that is uh, another cover band, but they weren't playing. Okay, okay. Oh yeah. So the then that was the second night. I actually didn't go to the show the second night, but you did, and I think you did as well, right? You went to the show. So yeah. So I didn't go to the show the first night. I actually just stayed in the cart and horses the entire time. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I only bought one ticket. Uh, me and my, my wife at the time, well, she's still my wife. Uh, it's always awkward to, ca- to, to categorize that one. Um, but uh, yeah. my partner at the time. Uh, uh, wife in the, in the legal sense. Yeah, she's still my wife in the legal sense. Uh, so I was with my wife and my friend Kevin and his girlfriend, Sarah, and then two guys from Sweden, PP and Jonas. Um, they were there as well. So um I don't remember the Swedish guys. I don't think you met them really, actually, because me and Kevin and sorry, me and Grace were in the pub first, and then we bumped into you, Nesbitt, and Josh. And then Kevin and Sarah joined later on. And then PP and Jonas, probably not that day. I don't think you would have seen them. You probably would have been gone to the gig by the time they arrived. And then the next night, we'd all been to this show, whereas the first night only you and Nesbitt and Josh went and uh when we came back from the show, we were all shit faced and whatever. So, like, I mean, you may have met them or bumped into them or something, but like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you, you may like. I wouldn't blame you for not remembering the people you met that night. <laughs> I didn't go to the the because they played the uh, after hour show yeah. both nights after both gigs. I didn't go to the first night. Mm. 
I went to the gig the first night, but I didn't go to the Cart and Horses show. Yes. But I did go to the Cart and Horses show the second night. And that's where I think we kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then after that show, we it was us and Nesbitt and Josh and a few other guys. And we were all just in a circle singing. Like, I think the one I remember is the aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> After the war, <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was leading that. I was leading the place. Bailey sing along. Uh, I think you let you let it with um, with uh, sign of the cross, mm. and then and then that sort of led into just singing some other obscure like Blaze era. I remember singing Judge, Judgment of Heaven as well. I remember that one. Yes, uh, that's. Uh, that's a great one. I love singing that one. But yeah, it was it was a fucking brilliant time. As I've said on other episodes of my podcast and, and two other people, it's one of the best weekends I've ever had in my life. Um, and it's great to still be in touch and uh, still be in touch with you and Nesbitt and Josh like, because that was a chance meeting in a pub before an Iron Maiden concert. But that's the... Absolutely. That's the magic of Iron Maiden, though. You stay in touch with people. It is. And I had this conversation... I've had this conversation a number of times, but also on Uncle Steve's podcast. And I just, I feel like since maybe COVID has amplified it a little bit because like the community is like, we don't have, we didn't have gigs to look forward to, I guess, Mm. during COVID. And so we all had to keep the, connection alive sort of and then that all then we started doing these zoom calls periodically for like we had that listening party for seventh son and then i think power slave i wasn't able to make that one but then the listening party for Sanjutsu that was that was an epic night (laughs) there's like i don't know 12 of us at least 12 of us were on that call all from all around the world and like that's the yeah, that's the beauty or the magic of Iron Maiden. This, or yeah, it's just that's so cool that we're we're all good friends because because of one band and, and also one random meeting. I, I've actually said before. I, I think that that weekend was a turning point in my life, and I know that sounds like a big and bold statement, but it really was because um, getting to meet you and Nesbitt and Josh was like. It's the first time I've met people at a concert and I've actually become good friends with them afterwards. Like you, you can meet people and you become acquaintances with them. You might even swap numbers with them and you might ask them if they're going to a future gig. But that was like, that was different. We became friends and then we stayed in contact with each other. And then Nesbitt had talking Maiden and that kept kept everybody in contact. And then I was like, I'm going to start a fucking podcast. Like, <laughs> you know? and, I, and, and, and that brought everybody like into contact even more and then um brought in lots of new people uh, you mentioned the zoom calls and all of that stuff but like i think if i hadn't have gone to those gigs or that gig sorry on on that weekend i don't know if any of that would have happened and uh, because of that i think it's been it was a turning point in my life it's so cool that yeah it's like me from ottawa canada and then nesbitt and josh from newfoundland and then you from Ireland and then your buddies from Sweden, like this should be all in one, all in the place where it all started. It's it's really Iron Maiden, I suppose we can thank more than anything else because um, 
we were all there for that reason. And that's what we're here to talk about today. A nice little segue there. Wow. Great, <laughs> great segue. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, because, you know, we are in contact often, I know the answers to a lot of these questions. But for the benefit of the listener who doesn't know, I'm going to ask you, um, when you first started seeing this WOTW thing, do you remember when you first saw that or when it first became apparent that Iron Maiden were putting this in their artwork, making references to it? Do you recall when you first saw that one? Yes, I remember the first time. I think it was Nesbitt that posted something in the group chat and it was something so obscure. I can't remember exactly what the first WOTW nugget was, but it was, I just, I dismissed it. I thought it was like so far fetched. (laughs) And then like, you know, like whatever, it's not, that doesn't mean anything like that's 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 a reach, anyway. a reach yeah, yeah, yeah. but then but then it started to snowball and then like you started seeing it in more places and then there was that twitter account the daniel before this though you're, you're jumping ahead a small bit do you remember this whole wrath wrath of the waters album that was announced oh yes yes yeah that was that was a, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was probably like that's what I mean. So they they've had the references. I think even predating our group chat, they've had the references in, in their artwork for a while. They had them on the Legacy of the Beast posters, right? And uh, so you probably did actually see that back then. Uh, maybe you just kind of forgot what all the, the hype and all the the wrath of the waters. Didn't they have like an art? They had the artwork and they had the track listing mm. and everything. Like what? what? What, what was the track? Do you remember the track listing? Like it, it, it looked like it was believable. I don't remember. I'm going to look it up here right now, actually, just for the benefit of this podcast. But uh, they had Eddie as some kind of fucking fish thing. I and I, I believed it for a second. You know, like <laughs> it actually looked cool. So did I. I believed it for a second as well. Um, yeah. And it looked okay. So we, here, here's what we have on Wrath of the Waters. Right, we have the opening track. Wrath of the Waters, Smith Harris, Black Lotus, Smith Dickinson, Beyond the Veil, Murray Harris, The Nature of Hate, Smith Harris, Empty Canvas, Gers Harris, Blissful Oblivion, Smith Harris Dickinson, Spiritual Tantrum, Smith Dickinson, Pale Blue Dot, Dickinson, Beneath the Same Sky, Smith Harris Dickinson, and The Flying Dutchman, Harris. And like those those titles are kind of believable. sounds Yeah, that sounds like... Yeah, and, and all the the length they put the song lengths and everything like nine minutes, four minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, and then like the ending was twelve minutes. The Flying Dutchman, Flying Dutchman, twelve <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Although on this on this version of the album, there's only one single Harris track written solely by him, and of course we know that there are three in a row on a, the actual albums. And yes. Just, and but, uh, four in total. But anyway, sorry. What what the reason I was asking that question was because that was the start of the hype. So. You, like you, you do remember the Wrath of the Waters, yeah. You, you just mentioned like when you saw WOTW, you didn't really believe in it that strongly. So when the uh, when do you remember the buzz kicking in for the hype? Uh, because we all got sucked into it, and we like some of us more than others. Me, uh, <laughs> but uh, when do you remember like that really kicking in for you and like actually really getting excited about this new album, which would become Senjutsu? 
I, uh, I can't remember the exact, I guess that was like early summer when they started dropping these little Easter eggs here and there. I don't mean the dates specifically, but I mean like the event, the events that stood out. The, the one that, the one that hooked me in was the Twitter account, the Daniel or whatever, whatever the tw- Twitter account was. And then he or whoever it was had 16 accounts that they followed and they were all references to every Iron Maiden album. And then that's, and then he started tweeting about the Belshazzar's feast. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, this, this maybe holds some water. This, this is real. I think they're, they're building up to something. And then we started seeing posters of the Belshazzar's feast and then a date on the bottom and then it's like okay i think this is something mm. like this can't this can't all just be coincidence it can't be all coincidence too many yeah. things are <laughs> in <laughs> you tell me you're an unbeliever and there were some unbelievers as well at the time i remember reading um comments on twitter and people were just like oh it's just going to be a new beer it's going to be a new level in there uh, legacy of the beast video game or a new, uh, a new how lame would that have been <laughs> but but i remember thinking at the time there's absolutely no chance in hell that it's just a new beer there's absolutely no chance in hell that it's just a new character in the video right and I, I agreed with you and there's that like they wouldn't have put that much effort and time into like who plays the video game like i don't that? fucking know i don't know anyone who i don't know anyone who's played it like a friend of mine, like he just lives across the way from me. He's in the same apartment block, and and he's like he's an Iron Maiden fan, but he's not as like a diehard maybe like us. But he likes them, and um, he's been to see them live and stuff. But um, I remember like we used to get the bus into work together. He worked in a different place, but we got the same bus, and he's like, "Oh, did you see the new Iron Maiden video game is out?" And I was like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Have you played it?" And I was like, "No," and I was like, "Maybe I fucking should play it actually because like you know." Am I not supposed to be a big, huge fan of this band? So I downloaded it on my phone. And I was just looking at it. What the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) I think I did the same thing. I downloaded it once and then maybe played it. Like, I I still don't understand what you're supposed to do. You, like, kill things. or You know what the worst part is? Is that I I don't even care what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I I yeah. I could not give a shit what you're supposed to do it could be it could be cool but like i i don't know i wouldn't spend my time building my character or whatever whatever it is i don't even know if it's like an rpg or yeah but like that's the thing like an adventure game yeah and i mean like i I enjoy a good video game like i'm not i'm not a gamer in inverted commas but i like a good video game i I got into i mean the last video game i got into was grand theft auto 5 but like the odd time me and my friend would play a bit of Tekken online with each other and stuff like I, I like a good video game. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I grew up playing video games. I spent yeah, half too. of my me life too. playing video games. So it's not like I'm anti-game, but like I'm just thinking like Eddie as the protagonist in a video game about Iron Maiden. And I just like I get exhausted even thinking of that. What <laughs> what why who? Who is it aimed at? Yeah, I think it it could be cool. Like a, a, I don't know, like maybe some of your listeners might chime in and say they've played it and it's cool or like, I don't know, maybe it has nothing to do with the band or 
like I know that it has something like they they must incorporate different eddies and different songs and like I guess like the whole tour legacy of the beast was created around this video game which I still don't really I don't see like if without having played the video game how do you know like the different worlds or whatever like you went from the I don't know like I mean I don't know the war war theme to like the cathedral religion. And then, is that is that all I think it was war, war religion and hell wasn't that the the concept anyway look sorry that's a, that's a massive tangent there and a, a rant by me a rant i've also had before so apologies about that but um anyway yeah i like i like tangents there's absolutely no way anyway in my mind and i, I assume you agree that there, it was ever just going to be a, a character or a level or whatever for the video game and it, it it demonstrated to me how high the level of cynicism is amongst some iron maiden fans especially those you encounter online now more often than not, I encounter quite pleasant Iron Maiden fans online, people I enjoy speaking to, but there's also a contingent of people who are like, oh, it's just a fucking bear, or it's just a video game, or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Like, have you encountered these people? I'm, I know you're not as active on Twitter, maybe, as I am, but... I've seen um, people comment on YouTube. Like I watched a few of the of people that do reviews or breakdowns of some of the songs on Senjutsu and just reading some of those comments like just like or on Reddit as well. I read a few of those and a lot of people are just like, you know, this is nothing like what they used to sound like. It's like, well of course it isn't. They're they're in their fucking mid-60s now and like they've been evolving ever since and it's yeah anyways but yeah no to answer the specific question you asked i i I didn't see anyone that said it was gonna be a beer or something to do with the video game like other than what you guys shared in the group chat but there's definitely like that contingent of maiden fans like I, I just I started a new job recently and there was one guy who asked, well, so as part of the intro email that the, the CEO sent out, uh, he it, so I started the job on August 30th and then Sanjutsu came out September 3rd, which was that Friday. And on my first day, he's like, OK, tell me some things about yourself. I'm like, um, hmm, uh, I don't know. I play hockey. I, I, um, I don't know. I'm like, what do I love? Uh, okay, I love Iron Maiden. Okay, Iron Maiden, my favorite band, has a new album coming out on Friday. And so he put that as part of the intro on my first day at a new job. And then a couple people reached out to me and... Um, you know, like, nice to meet a fellow Iron Maiden fan. Like, oh, really? Like, oh, are you excited for the new album? Like, oh, I had no idea they were even making new music. Like, <laughs> so it's like, it's like these people that only know that, like, oh, run to the hills yeah. and uh, that kind of, I mean, I think that's probably the majority, unfortunately, that's probably the majority of Maiden fans. I think. Do, you know, do you know what I find interesting is that, um, 
people, so somebody replied to you and said, nice to meet a fellow Iron Maiden fan. And they, in that, have implied that they consider themselves Iron Maiden fans. Yet yeah. they have yeah. literally no interest in Iron Maiden. Because if they did. Right. Like, <laughs> if you're an Iron Maiden fan, do you, where have you been for the last 20 years? And why years, haven't you been, <laughs> why haven't you been, been being? I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Why aren't you being a fan? Uh, if you if you claim to be one, why why are you not being one? Uh, somebody saying I had no idea they were making new music. That's just that's unacceptable, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's unacceptable and, I've, and I've met. That's not the first time that's happened. It's, and I tell them, oh, they're still making new music. They're like, what? Really? Those guys are must be so old by now. Like, well, yeah. This I mean, this, like, this opens up a, old, a, a but... thing for me where um people bandy about the word fan quite loosely uh they're like oh i'm a huge fan of xyz you know metallica because you know master of puppets or something like that um but i i i am i'm a black album yeah, well, I, well, I, I decided not to say that one just because you know <laughs> <laughs> no, most metallica fans are metallica fans i know i know there i know but um but I think people use that word quite loosely, whereas I'm quite sparse with that word. Um, I would say something like I quite like or I really like or yes, I like this album. But using the word fan or certainly a big fan of it's something I, I use very sparingly because because of the fact that if I do encounter a big fan of the band, I, I will be exposed as a fraud if I'm if I'm pretending to be a big fan of something that I'm not. And um I don't know where I'm going with this, really, but like it, it, it kind of it. I find it a bit disheartening sometimes when, like the story you said there, it's like, oh, nice to meet a fellow Iron Maiden fan. You're like, if you didn't know that they were even releasing new music, then realistically, can you call yourself a fan? I don't know if you can. They didn't. They, I don't think they even knew that they had a new album beyond Seventh Son. Yeah, which is unfortunately, I think is a large contingent of Maiden fans. And I put air quotes there. Mm. All right. Okay. Look, well, enough rants. Um, so. Yes. Let me get a beer. You can keep talking. I oh, I'll get one of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So after the, the hints that we talked about that people saw, you know, it's the writing on the wall, uh, the Belshazzar's feast, etc. It, it eventually culminated in the video of the song "Writing on the Wall," but I'm not going to talk about that now because we're talking about the album Senjutsu. By the way, are you calling it Senjutsu, as in jut, put, foot, or jutsu, as in shoot, hoot, toot? You know, I haven't really put too much thought into. <laughs> well, I've noticed a lot of people have... are saying Senjutsu, and I personally, I'm not I would a... say, I think I would say Senjutsu. I'm not very comfortable with that, even if it's correct. Uh, yeah, I have no knowledge of the Japanese language, and I'm sure maybe if that little distinction that might mean something completely different. Yeah. I have no idea. And they don't say the word. Hmm. In the song or anywhere. No. So see, I'm thinking S E N S E N J U T S U. I'm thinking of back when I learned English. That's a slender, uh, or sorry, that's a broad U. 
there's no vowel accompanying it at the end. So like the word um, brute, B-R-U-T-E. Right. That's a slender. Yeah, I see, what, that, I see what you mean. That's a slender U, B-R-U-T-E. A broad U is like shut, put. That's a broad U. There's no accompanying. I see what you mean. But English is weird sometimes. Yeah. So I'm saying Senjutsu. But and this isn't this isn't even English. This is not an English word. <laughs> no, I know, I know it's not an English word, which is yeah. which is the funny part because it's Japanese and, but I mean, like it doesn't even seem there's a direct translation of this word from Japanese because there's multiple different uh, translations of it from what I've seen anyway around the place. Tactics and strategy, Steve Harris, the art of oh, sorry, Steve Harris thinks it means the art of war. Uh, other places have loosely, loosely is the word I keep seeing all over the place. It's loosely translated as tactic, tactics and strategy. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway. Loosely. I wonder what that means. Like, it, would it depend on the context? Of- it seems to be contextual, yeah. So, so people I've spoken to and one of whom who uh, knows Japanese has said, like, basically a word isolated outside of a sentence in Japanese is a lot of the time quite meaningless um, because it's context dependent. So if you isolate a word from a sentence, it's not like English where you can pick a word and just go, this means this. You have to have right. the context. And Steve Harris has just gone, now, Senjutsu. Senjutsu in it. I can't. I cannot do this. Dan uh, Mortimer would cringe if uh, he heard me say that. I'm sure he will hear me say that. He would turn in the early grave he'd been sent to out of the shock of the accent that you did. Uh, yes. I Well, I didn't even try to do an accent. I just said in it. So. All right, all right. Uh, okay, so look, this is the album we've, we've been presented with. It's called Senjutsu yes. or Senjutsu. Um, yeah. Before we get into the songs, let's talk about the artwork. Uh, this is Eddie here. Electric Matthew says hello uh, in his samurai suit. What do, what do you what do you think about this? I love it. I think it's really cool. They, they haven't done a samurai Eddie before. Like they've done they've done a bunch of iterations of Eddie, like uh, that that I haven't been particularly fond of. Like I'm thinking the Final Frontier Eddie mm. was pretty cheesy um i don't know uh i mean book of souls my and eddie that was pretty cool i really like um them. but yeah uh, and this one i think is kind of uh it, it also it is reminiscent of the you know on the on the legacy of the beast eddie at the that they play it put at the end with the he looks super evil and the uh it, it kind of play, plays on that. Like, the, I, I like the it. The devil horns, Eddie? Yeah, sort of. I think, well, kind of the face looks a little bit, like, just more of that, like, evil kind of look. Okay. It, uh, yeah, it, it reminds me of that. And, like, I don't know, holding the, the sword, I think it's, it's pretty pretty cool. Okay. What do you think of it? I, I like it. I, um, I think it's very, very sharp. It's a, it's a nice image. I think the Iron Maiden font is, the more I look at it, the more I wish they went with it, just a normal font, not this 3D kind of effect um, with the different... Show it to me again. I don't even know what, I, what font. 
Oh, okay. A little 3D kind of effect on the on the font. Yeah. They have this little. Yeah. They have that. Yeah, I think they they should just stick with what like what they always. I don't know. I like the I like their font. I'd say they should dance with who brung them. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making a little reference to myself there. Dance, dance with who brought you to the dance. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, they have this metallic 3D effect on the font, and then there's the different shading within the font. So it's kind of darker in some places, lighter in others, and there's some kind of effect on it. I wish they just went with the standard Iron Maiden font, but I think the Eddie is good. I could do without the blood running from the eyes personally. Um I don't think that adds anything to it. And the fang teeth, again, this is like not something common common with Eddie. And I, I'm not sure if samurais are known to have fangs, but uh, the fang teeth, that's what that's what harkens me back to at the concert and the legacy of the beast, like that kind of Eddie. Mm. Where I'm, I'm not actually a, a big fan of that kind of shape i guess yeah like you said i don't know like the fangs is a little bit not really the eddie that we know i don't know like obviously eddie's evolved over the years yeah um and what do you think like artwork it used to be like if, if i'm thinking of back to like somewhere in time power slave even like brave new world they all had backgrounds and mm. you know this one like book of souls and now Sanjutsu, there's no background it's just like eddie and that's it and like this one has Sanjutsu written kind of on the side the other book of souls had book of souls written on the bottom it gets kind of boring in that sense i have a theory about that actually i think they are deliberately doing that in order to make it um, stand out more so on a thumbnail-sized image for the likes of Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Um, so it pops more. Oh, interesting. It's just a, yeah. it's a black background with red writing and one figure in the middle. And it's actually black and but, black and green, to be honest with you. But um, but they've never been a band to be to cater cater to the commercial or you know the mainstream. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. That is a theory, and and it's just a theory. But, like, when you look at the timeline of it, streaming be kind of, sorry, kind of became popular in the early 2010s. Book Souls came out in 2015. For the first time ever, an Iron Maiden album doesn't have a background. It's just Eddie. It's yeah. just the words Iron Maiden, and it pops. It's white yeah. on a black background. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then 2021, streaming is basically the most popular format of, of music consumption. And again, it's a similar Eddie. It's like a, it's an Eddie on a black background. This time it's red lettering, but it, it pops again. I think personally, I think again, speculation is that it's something to pop on a, on a thumbnail rather than being them too concerned about a vinyl because they put so much work into the art that's on the inside of the vinyl or the inside of the CD booklet. Um, that Eddie standing in a kind of a field with the fucking building in the background and everything. I, I'm sure you've seen that one. You have. I I still have not uh, received the physical 
copy it. Oh, you're showing it to me now. That looks really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's not even all the, the entire painting. It's uh, like it's... And that's just, that's from the CD? That's the CD, but the vinyl opens up. There's a third page. Vinyl might be even bigger. Yeah, it opens yeah. up again. There's a... So I haven't I haven't purchased it yet because I agreed with my fiance Chelsea. She's going to get it for me for Christmas. Christmas? So... Jesus Christ, that's miles away. Christmas. I... <laughs> Does she hate you? <laughs> Well, her birthday is coming up soon. Um, should I get it for, for her birthday? <laughs> yeah, get her, a, get her a bowling ball while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, Simpsons reference. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I think the artwork is, is decent, and I think there's excellent and much better artwork within the booklet and within the vinyl, but my, my theory is that's, that's why they do that. But um, Okay. So we've looked at the album. We've had all the speculation. It's um, writing on the wall. Belshazzar's feast. Another can I can I jump in quickly uh, on the speculation thing? I think this time. I mean, back for Book of Souls. I remember being excited, but not even close to the amount of excitement as there was for this album. And I think a large part of that is because of this community that like that we have sort of cultivated. And, and now like, of course the the community was there that back, back then as well. But now it's like, we have this group chat and these zoom meetings and like a bigger social media following. And now there's all these podcasts that have spawned like there was talking maiden and then there's yours and then there's a few like a few others that have spawned just because of it and now there's this huge community and it's just the the build up to this album is just like insane like how how much hype there was and i think as we'll get into i think it has lived up to the hype and it was like yeah so continue no, with your i, I your say segue. i agree with you actually yeah um i think yeah. and i regret as like as a as um someone in my late teens and early 20s not immersing myself more in the culture of heavy metal like i had one friend kevin who you know obviously who likes heavy metal but the rest of my friends like and we we have a strong core friend group of people I, we were in school with there's 10 of us and we still keep in touch in touch to this day and some of us we know like like me and Kevin and, and others, we know each other since we were four years old. So that's going back to like 31 years. But at the same time, one of the main things we have in common is that we were in school with each other. Um, and then a lot of a lot of other things we don't have in common, especially when it comes to music taste. So I right. kind of regret when I was younger, not immersing myself more in, um, I don't know, going to rock bars and going to concerts but even then even then like there wasn't there wasn't much of a an entry point like how do you how do you immerse yourself in it back then like well now? well I, I certainly could have gone to more gigs and i could have gone to rock bars and even i could have even joined the iron maiden online forum which i was never interested in really right 
Yeah, I never got into that either. But it was like in my head, I had a stigma against the internet. Um, I was like, oh, internet friends, they're not real friends, you know, and like, feel like a gobshite now saying that. But um, but back then, that's how I felt. And I, I think maybe there was a societal and a, a cultural stigma against that as well. It was like, oh, this nerd online on the internet, etc. Um, Whereas I, I don't feel that in the slightest these days. It used to be weird um, to meet people that you met online originally. I feel like it's kind of changing. Like if you meet someone online and then you meet them in person, like I think I'm thinking of like one example, um, my friend Dan Mortimer, mm. who you now know. I spoke to him earlier today. I, exactly. Um, and so he... He, he made a post online in some Facebook group about when he saw the Legacy of the Beast tour and he made this long post about hearing for the greater good of God and how, how much it meant to him and how emotional it, it was. And then I was like, okay, I got to be friends with this guy. Mm. And then I just messaged him and then, and then we, I met him at after meeting you guys, Josh and Nesbitt and you and Kevin, and I'm plastered and I'm out in front of the O2 arena. And then Dan and I were meeting up just before the show. And then he introduces himself. And I'm like, my first reaction, like, holy shit, you're British. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know? You didn't know, obviously, no. I obviously knew he was British. But the first words he said to me, I was just like, oh, my God, he has such a British accent. Just blimey. And I'm not used to that because, I, yeah. And then blimey is a part of my vocabulary yeah. now. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I think, and it wasn't weird at all meeting someone in person after meeting them. I, well, maybe because of the Iron Maiden connection, mm. it made it a little, a little easier. Yeah. But I think just in general, meeting people after after meeting them online is a little bit less uh, stigma around it now. I don't know. I don't know if we just placed a stigma upon ourselves. I'd, like maybe there was never any stigma apart from anything you just placed on yourself. But um, I have, mm-hmm. I have tentative plans to meet people this year and next year, all of whom I only know from talking to them online. And it seems like the most normal thing in the world now. It seems yeah. like, yeah, why the fuck wouldn't I meet you in person? I know you. I know yeah. you very it well. It wouldn't be weird. Yeah, I've spoken to you on Zoom and, you know, and, on Twitter and some people even on, t- in, on text and whatever. And it's just like, I know you very well. There's absolutely no reason why I shouldn't meet you in person. Uh, to, right. to not meet yeah. you would be weird. Right. And I just started a new job uh, and I just went to the office this week for the first time and i had been obviously working with these people for about a month but then like meeting them in person it's not weird because i've been talking to them and i know them and mm. kind of seen them already like to meet them in person it's like i don't know it's i mean it is i guess a little bit weird but it's it's becoming less weird yeah uh, anyway so another tangent all right <laughs> Rallying around to the call. Um, right. So yeah. we have the album, Senjutsu. How did you buy this? Did you purchase it online? Did you go to a record shop? How did you first hear it? How did you? Well, I told you I'd 
I haven't purchased it yet. Sorry. Because it's because it's coming to me as a gift. Apologies, yes. So how did you first hear it then? Is my question. And when? Um on Spotify the morning of. So you, you didn't hear any illicit streams or any I did um I did on September 1st, I believe, two days before the release, there was some YouTube releases mm. and then they got quickly removed. Um, but I did hear the title track before hearing the rest of the album and it stood out to me. It was, uh, I, uh, after hearing the rest of the album, because I heard the title track first, I was like, hmm, I think this one's probably going to be my favorite song. Just because mm. I, I had that like couple day by head start or bias to, because yeah. I've heard it anyway. But what about you? When did you, um, did, did you listen to the full album before? Um, well, let's just say I um, came across the album a few days before it was released. And uh, yeah, I listened to the first five tracks. Uh, so what the fuck is number five? Um, awesome, last word. Yeah, sorry. I listened to the first five tracks and then I had I, I restrained myself. I was like, I'm not going to listen anymore. Like there was a lot of talk about death of the Celts. There was a lot of talk about hell on earth and like from the people who had reviewed it online. So I was like save something for release day. So on release right. day, I went and bought it. I bought the vinyl, I bought the CD. And then I went to the pub and opened up the CD album and opened up the booklet. And while listening to it on Spotify, I was reading the lyrics. So that was my way of kind of trying to recapture a, an old, like buying CD on release day kind of thing. But also I took the day off work. So I was like, I'm definitely going to get a pint. So fuck this, you know. <laughs> I'm 35 years old. I can go and get a pint in a pub and I can take the day off work. <laughs> nice, nice. Unlike I when would have Dance of Death was released, which was my first yeah. album, and I was like, after school, I, I got the bus into like a local town and, and bought it and stuff. So this was different. I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Wow, 2003, so you would have been 16? Or 17. 17. Nearly 18. Wow. So when did, when did you, you, I know you've probably told this story a lot. So when did you become a Maiden fan again? Which Just a year before, I, I was 16 and it was 2002. And Kevin uh, got Best of the Beast on CD. I copied it onto a mini disc and um, I was listening to that. And the, yeah, so ever since then. And so you, you I can, what was the hype like back then for Dance of Death? For me, it was more magazines. Like I wasn't on the internet back then. I my parents didn't get the internet until two thousand and six, actually. Um, and I I wasn't in college yet, so I I started at college in two thousand and four, where we could use computers willy nilly. You know, we can go to computer rooms and use the internet. So I didn't really have any internet hype, but I did used to read classic rock magazine, and I used to read. I wouldn't say I bought it, but I used to be read bits of Kerrang on the shelf. <laughs> and, uh, you, you would read pieces of information. And then I used to actually go to internet cafes from time to time um, because I didn't have the internet and I'd be reading things on blabbermouth.net or whatever. So I was kind of piecing together the hype, but I certainly knew Iron Maiden were releasing the new album. And I certainly knew, uh, sure. I mean, I was at the gig in download in 2003 when, when they announced it, um, they announced the name of the album that they'd never said what it was going to be called before. And then they played wireless dreams 
<clears throat> so I was pretty. What an underwhelming uh, single. Oh, yeah. What a, it was an awful song. <laughs> I, I, re- I strongly, strongly dislike that song. But um, yeah, but like I was well, well aware and very much hyped about the new album. Um, and on, on release day, I, the minute school was finished, I went straight into, there's a town close to me called Dunleary, went straight into Dunleary and bought the, uh, the album and I went straight home and listened to it. But uh, the hype was real. The hype was fucking real. <laughs> That's really cool. As like being sixteen years old, of sorry, I was I was seventeen when Dance of Death was released. Seventeen, sorry, yeah. So if when I was seventeen, I was probably just getting into Maiden and not not really like. It took me a couple of years. I had a couple of friends in high school that were into it, and they slowly introduced me to and then i got into metallica and megadeth and mm. then uh, made in like I, I can't even remember my entry point like what was the first song i heard what album really and the, but the first song that really drew me in was rhyme of the ancient mariner which is still my favorite song to this day wow that's a, that's an interesting one to draw you in obviously because it's so long. Yeah, I was just, I remember just being so captivated, like the whole, the whole thing. I was like, I was probably smoking some weed and, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, being a teenager and just being like blown away by the, the arrangement and like the, which is the classic Iron Maiden gallop, which is, ever present on this album too all right so let's get back on track yeah let's get back into it senjutsu yeah when you first heard this song what are your thoughts what do you think what do you know what do you see the intro is like that first sound when it starts it kind of like sounds almost like an, an alien or something like a I don't know what does it what does that sound like at the beginning before the drums kick in. What does it sound like? I'm just it's, gonna play a little clip, but here, hold on a second. Yeah, play a clip. Okay, so yeah, that part. You're saying it sounds like an alien. Yeah, okay, so is it no, like yeah. drippy droppy's brain? What the fuck yeah, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so like tentacles from Predator or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Then, but then we have these drums, these yeah. fucking drums. And then that yeah. fucking just drum that one one guitar chord. The drumming is just incredible on this whole album. It really is. And I'm somebody who doesn't even notice drums that often, but like, my yeah. god. And then this riff. Yes, this it's a chugging riff. Clearly an Adrian written. What about Bruce's deep voice in the intro? I I love that they're using his lower register more. Are you going to just play the rest no. of the song? Or? <laughs> I'm going to pause it here. Um, okay. One thing I noticed was um, 
I, I was kind of looking out for references to previous Iron Maiden albums. So within the first verse there, he references Invaders and Nomads. Did you pick up on that? Oh, I did not. A good catch. You know what I found interesting as well? Invaders was the first song on the first Iron Maiden album he was ever on. And Nomads yeah. was like pretty much the, I, the Iron Maiden album that everybody thought was a return to form. And it was his return to Iron Maiden. And I think this like written by Dave Murray. Yeah. So like, I think like that was a comeback writ- written by Dave Murray. <laughs> I think that was yeah. a- <laughs> <laughs> stolen by Dave Murray. Uh, yeah. No, no Murray writing credits on this album. Too. Yeah. Cause he, it's... cause they couldn't trust him anymore. Uh, after <laughs> all the lawsuits, <laughs> but uh, I am, um, I was thinking like, Invaders references the first album Bruce was on. Nomads references a co- uh, a return to form or a comeback. And this album really, it's it is a fucking comeback because it's been so bloody long. Somebody pointed out to me, maybe Nesbitt, I can't remember that the period between when Bruce left in 1993 and returned in 1999 was shorter than the period between these two albums. Wow, yeah, that's that's uh, staggering to hear. It is staggering, isn't it? Because it feels like that that era in the '90s, even though I was barely alive, like didn't know anything about Iron Maiden in my age four to nine, I guess. But I guess that that era just seems like such a long period. But you know. From Book of Souls to now is also a very long period. But I think it's crazy that they that it's been recorded for two years. It took them two years to release it. Like, do you do you think they're working on something now? Like, <laughs> I'd say very, very, very unlikely. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because. They all live in different areas, I guess. So. That, that's the main thing, I reckon. Um, but sorry, I think I feel we're going off on many, many tangents here. So yeah, too many tangents. That was the uh, that was the intro to Senjutsu, but here's the chorus. So thoughts on that chorus? First song, first new album in six years. What do you think? Love that chorus. It, it's it's something that I can picture myself screaming at a concert, but I'm the only one screaming <laughs> because nobody around me knows it. <laughs> which is which is what happened at, at Book of Souls. Yeah. Oh, I can relate to that. Me and Kevin were humming every every guitar riff on "The Bread and the Black" in Gothenburg in 2016. We were actually literally like going, and everyone around us was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Nice, yeah. Steve and I, you and Steve from Toronto. Oh yes, he and I. That's and we were the 
in Brooklyn, we were the only two, like, and we were screaming all, all of the Book of Souls songs you know, on the Brooklyn show. And then like, also for, for the greater good of God, for the greater good of God, nobody knew those lyrics either. And we're like, there's only like three of us screaming it. <laughs> anyway, back to Senjutsu. Let's have a listen. Look at these lyrics. So it's rallying round to the call. We can hear far away. So this is something that bothers me. We can hear far away are the sound of distant drums. Yeah, that's grammatically weird. <laughs> it's grammatically Steve is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, and they need everyone at the wall. That line is the one that hooks me now. Um, I thought it was originally, and we'll meet everyone at the wall because I hadn't read the lyrics. So I was just thinking, and we'll meet everyone at the wall. But yeah. he's saying they, they need everyone at the wall. So obviously that goes in with rallying the troops. Yeah. Right. Uh, so 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 the day of our judgment has now begun to fall. I listened to Uncle Steve's podcast. He had James uh, Fraser and um, Andrew Withnell talking about this and um, two regular contributors. And I think James's point was that it's not specifically about Japan. It's not about China. It's not about any specific war. It's just about war in general. And I think he's probably been a bit too generous to it there, <laughs> like giving it quite a lot of leeway. But to me, it's like Steve had written a song and he threw some lyrics on top of it. Now, they're very catchy and the hooks are really good. Hooks in the ceiling for that well-honed feeling. But um, I don't know if they mean anything. Right. Um I, I, I agree. They're very hooky. Hooky is that a word? No, hooky is when you take a day off work. <laughs> but it is. It's a very in, nice in your neck of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> when you the the chorus, I just I love the melody behind that. When rallying round to the call, I yeah. love that melody, and mm. um, I think. Uh, I, I read something that Bruce said where he he thinks that Steve must have been binging on Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> and that he said there's there's northern people coming down from the grasslands. There's a wall and they've yeah. got to protect the wall at all costs. And they could no, it's not it's not the Great Wall of China, it's just a wall. Like, there's yeah. no like theme or war specific history specific his- historical event that they're talking about it's just yeah i know like what, what's funny is like it's it, the japanese motif obviously is is all over the album artwork i mean even looking at the lyric page right here they have a red sun in the background it seems to be historically and geographically all over the place but i don't know if that matters again to echo james on on steve's podcast uh it seems to be just about war i don't think the lyrics are that good but I think the song is fucking great. And yeah. Steve Harris is the first to say most Iron Maiden fans don't even have English as a first language. So it doesn't, <laughs> really, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I I had a few notes on the solos in that. So from 223 to 240 is Adrian.
So what makes me interested is that you're kind of you're sure that's Adrian. And when I listen to like talking maiden and I listen to Maiden A to Z and I admire how confidently they claim who is playing which solo because I could not say with as much confidence. So uh, full disclosure, I got this from a Reddit post. and uh... But again, like the person who posts on Reddit, like, did they speak to Adrian? Right. But I, I started to pay more attention after, after learning who does which solos. I started to go back into the back catalog and kind of you can you can hear different styles it's particularly yannick i think is obviously it's it's more easy to identify between adrian and dave is i i can i can hear particular styles as well like for me personally adrian picks more notes more precisely and it's more melodic and you can almost pick out every note in the solo dave is more like kind of loose and goes all over the place. And Yannick just has a certain tone um, that's just... And sometimes er erratic, uh, but also very precise. Yeah, his tone sounds like no prayer to dying, fear to dark, and the X Factor, and I can't explain why, but it fucking does. (laughs) Yeah. You can can kind of pick it out, and you can pick it out whenever he does a riff as well. You're like, oh, that's a Yannick riff. But at the same time, I couldn't with any serious level of confidence go oh well adrian solo on st Jude. you're like hold on a second how do you know it's his solo right um so i don't know for sure it is and i'm sorry i'm not questioning you but like i'm questioning the general yeah yeah the general kind of knowing um confidence of, of iron maiden fans are like oh adrian solo is like you know so, and especially on songs that have never been played live they're like oh adrian solo is like you know and then it goes into dave solo you're like I mean, how the fuck do you know if it's Adrian Soto or Dave Soto? Okay, so let's play it again from 223. And then from 240 to 256 is apparently Dave's. And let's see if we can decipher the two styles. All right. Okay, so like that sounding kind of sounds a bit wasted yearsy. So I'd nearly say it is Adrian Soto. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So this is Dave's. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. I, I think that I, without knowing for certain, I, I think that's what I would have guessed as Adrian followed by Dave on those two. All right. I mean, look at me and it's a Smith-Harris composition, so it's, it's fair to assume Adrian did the first solo. All right. Okay. So we have like interesting guitar solos. Second one, very, very different from the first one. My, my take on it was that like they're, they're good guitar solos, but they're not hummable, like Wasted Years or The Wicker Man or whatever. Um, w- one thing that kind of slightly bothers me is Steve Harris's constant uses of the word now and just. I don't know if you've noticed this in his lyric writing. Have you? Not, not really, but if you draw my attention to it, I probably will see it more. So he uses the words now and just to fill a syllable, and he's been doing this for, for decades. Um, I'll give you an example. So he says, now under siege, have the real strength to hold them now. So he starts a sentence yeah. with now and ends it with now, which is like the most grammatically incorrect thing you can possibly do. Um 
you shouldn't like double now i've written <laughs> so it's like, like when it's, bruce rhymes again with again <laughs> yeah it's poor eminem would be turning in the early grave that he'd been sent to and i actually i actually have a couple comments about that word again because sometimes he pronounces it again and then other times he says again is is and, again a kind of a canadian thing actually can i, ask? I don't no i don't i don't think so actually um chelsea and i uh my fiance who i mentioned we make fun of and we actually laugh when people say again because it's like I don't know. I, we say uh, norm. The normal way to say it in my mind is again. Again, yeah. Some people say again. It just sounds so. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know why I was asking if if again was a Canadian thing? Because Chris Jericho. I don't know if you ever watched wrestling when you were younger. No. Nope. But um, Chris Jericho, the wrestler, never. Nope. That's you're. That's wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how? How? You're from Canada. Brought the hitman heart, Chris Jericho. Nope, sorry. Never watched wrestling. <laughs> That's mental. Anyway, Chris Jericho, the wrestler, he was a heel or a baddie, if you want, or a villain. He used to go out and on the microphone to annoy the crowd, and he would say, he will never, ever be the same again. But he would okay. pronounce it really specifically and deliberately, and it was del- specifically to annoy people because it was so properly pronounced <laughs> and, uh, it's funny because bruce bruce will say again a lot but he'll also yeah. say again a lot like yeah. i actually have a note on this song at 215 in sanjutsu mm-hmm. he says again all right let's have a look at that <laughs> yeah <laughs> he does yeah Irish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there's a few times where it comes up later in the album where he says he says one or the other. Actually, in Lost of the Lost World, he says both. Mm. Yeah, that's just something stupid that I noticed. Oh shit! No, I love those details. That's why we're here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pick a side, Bruce. Is it again or again? Yeah, exactly. I don't want. I don't want to bring this up with you again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not against you or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah all right uh i i found that uh, this uh, about seven minutes uh, it's been qu- quite x-factory and i found loads of examples of this on the album so have a listen to this remind you of the x factor at all i don't know to me it rings so many bells a little bit which i can't remember which song in particular but like are you kind of the style i can't either but it's like yeah it's like and it goes and then it goes kind of drops a key with the same riff right they did that quite a lot if you go if you go back go back to around 335 ish i find yeah, play a little clip there. It's very eerie, and it's like the yeah. I didn't do it right there, but play the clip. And... 
love that. Yeah, it is. It's it's an interesting little riff there, and it's kind of buried buried under the vocals, but it's great. like the attack. Yeah. The attack is coming, and they have to protect the wall. But let's go into Stratego. Are you calling this Stratego or Stratego? Stratego. Stratego. Okay. For me, yeah. it's like derived from the word strategy. So I'm I'm tempted to say Stratego, although that just sounds weird. Yeah, I know a lot of people are saying Stratego, so I'm kind of I'm trying to get on board with that. But um, but you you when you read it, you would you would think it's Stratego. When, when I read it, like I still read Stratego. Yeah, I'm sorry, like that's that's who I am. Yeah, I'm gonna play the opening opening piece of Stratego. Okay, so that's just a, like the little opening riff and the drums. Like, okay, so this was the second single on this album from this album. So, did you listen to the song when it was released as a single? I'm sure. I'm, I assume you did, like 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 most normal people. Um, so, what did you think? Were you were you happy with this? How did you feel about this when it was released? First listen, I was a little bit underwhelmed, and then it kind of grew on me more and more. And then when the full album was released, I I liked it even more. Just uh, its placement on the album is is perfect it kind of goes perfect perfectly after senjutsu and before writing on the wall mm. and i i, I think it, and it, yeah it just it it wasn't it didn't grab me right away but then after a couple of lessons it did what do you think of it i love i love it i love the opening drums again like the drums stand out to me and, and that's a rare occurrence for me with not only an iron maiden album but in general um I, I i don't have an ear for drums and i'll be the first to admit that uh, i don't know who'd be the second to admit it but i'll be the first um but uh, the drums and the bass come in pounding drums and bass and i think it's it's catchy the my only issue i i think is that even after listening to it, like a higher quality version, I think Bruce is a bit buried in the mix. But I have yeah. a, I have a theory about this, and again, speculation. It's not based on anything other than my own speculation. I wonder, does Bruce want to be buried in the mix? He's lost a bit of vocal range. He's lost a bit of power in his vocals. Um, it seems to have been happening since maybe Dance of Death. Uh, no, pr- probably a matter of life and death where where Bruce seems to be buried a bit in the mix. And I wonder, is it by choice? Maybe. I think he sounds pretty pretty great on, uh, on parts of it. Like on the pre-chorus, it's like, look at my eyes. I yeah. love that part. It's yeah. like pretty brooding and... I don't know. It sounds that sounds good, but maybe yeah, he does sound a little bit buried in 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 it. Yeah, that's how I felt the first few listens, and I th- I think it still kind of sounds like that. Like when when he's singing, like um, the lines, um, how do you read Madman's Mind? Teach me the art of war. He's like, how do you read Madman's Mind? Teach me. And do you think part of that war. is because of the? guitar playing the melody at the same time 
and it's kind of drowning out his voice. Yeah, I mean, it is drowning out his voice, but there's no need for it to do that. Like, I mean, think of previous songs where guitar was a huge factor. I don't know, Wasted Years or something like that. Um, there, there, there was no reason for the guitar to be drowning out his voice. It doesn't have to, and it could be mixed differently in order so that it wouldn't drown out his voice. Uh, but to, to me, I, I can't think of any other reason than it's on purpose. Maybe, but Bruce sounds so good on other parts of the, the album, though. Like, And I, you might be right, though, because they're using the lower part of his register a little bit more on this album, which I like. And especially in that, how do you read a man? That is lower. Yeah. Like, that's much lower. I wonder, is he like, is he not as confident in his vocal delivery in 2019 when it was recorded and does he want his voice to be drowned out a bit because i think bruce has enough pull in iron maiden like from all the interviews i've read from all the articles i've read it seems to be bruce rod and steve who are the main men in iron maiden these days like they are the three people who are most involved with not only the albums the production um obviously kevin shirley but like the, the yeah, Steve co-produced, I think, the whole album, didn't he? But like, I mean, even even the interviews you're reading, you're just like, Steve gave me a copy of the album. Nobody else had it, you know. This type of stuff, like, it was just me and Steve left in the studio, and we listened to it through things like this. You're like, I like the the, the fairy tale is like, oh, Bruce and Steve aren't very close with each other anymore. I wonder, are they actually quite close nowadays? And like, over the last 10, 15 years, they may have forged like a, a very very strong friendship, and. Uh, because any anything I'm reading, Bruce seems to be heavily involved again with it with the stage design and the and the the whole design of the Legacy of the Beast tour. He, anything you read from around that time, he seemed to be heavily involved in it. And like to me, he almost seems like a confidant of Steve these days. Whereas in in mm. previous years and a decade or two ago, it was like oh, Steve and Bruce, you know, that they're not going to go for a pint with each other, but they but they get through it, right? And that's part of the reason why Bruce left, I think, is because of that clash of, of, of personality, not only personality, but also creative differences. But now it seems maybe they're a bit more on the same page in terms of the creative side. I read a story that um, when Bruce had his cancer, Steve sent him a trampoline. Did you read that story? No, I didn't. That's yeah. So, so Bruce was like housebound, had his cancer. He was recovering from cancer, and Steve sent him a trampoline unexpectedly. Uh, and Bruce was like, Is that a new cancer tree? No, but I, I just <laughs> he, he did it because, he, like, clearly he knows that Bruce is the type of person, even though he was probably nearly 60, who would jump around on a trampoline. And let's face it, he would. Yeah, I could, I could, I could envision. But that. like, that's not something that two people who were like, cold to one another would do that's not a, that's not a gesture somebody who's like your kind of um uh like acquaintance in the band would 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 make towards you it, it's something that a, like a friend would do it's like ah bruce poor bastard he's stuck up at home i'm gonna buy him a trampoline i don't know i i, I personally think again from articles interviews and things that i read that they may have grown a lot closer towards one another in the last few years. Well, that's good. Good to hear because like they should be 
they should be on the same page creatively and they should be and, and maybe like especially on some of these songs steve written songs they make more use of bruce's lower register which i think is it works well i like bruce is a very i like when he uses his lower the lower part of his voice versus like i don't know thinking back to what's some of some of the reunion era like uh, the song that comes to mind is mother of mercy or oh yeah like mother of mercy uh, man like just like struggling yeah to hit those notes mm. and then so, but I, I don't hear that much, if at all, from this album. Yeah, and there's absolutely no shock that they didn't play it on the live tour because even even between the lines in the verses, which I'm sure were probably recorded independently of one another, he seems like he's gasping for breath. It's like, mother of mercy, angel of death's desire, yeah. mother of mercy, taking my yeah, last yeah. breath of fire. Yeah. <laughs> and like they even leave yeah, the They're fucking, like pasted together. Yeah. So, it it, it yeah. just does not seem like it's in any way within his comfort zone whatsoever. Uh, one one part yeah. I like on the on the early part of this song is um, I have not a mortal soul, which I think is a very interesting line. Um, any thoughts on that? I think that theme kind of comes up a couple of times on the album, like later on, on like Lost in the Lost World. I think that kind of theme mm. comes up again. It's just, it's, it's really like, who, who do you like? So, this is written by Yannick and Steve, but who do you think wrote the lyrics? Well, I think it's Steve. Uh, when I say Gareth Harris, I, I think it's Steve who's writing the lyrics. I don't know if Yannick has ever written lyrics personally. It's not something you ever hear spoken about. Um, I'd say it's his music. I'd say he composed the entire song. And then Steve came in and was like, all right, I'll give you, I'll, I'll write some stuff to this. I don't, I don't ever recall hearing about Yannick being a lyricist ever ever in my life um that's not to say that he's not but i don't know i don't i don't think that it was him my favorite lyrics i think are the first the first like the opening part of the song like how do you read a mad madman's mind teach me the art of war where i shall bring more than you bargain for give me an ultimatum that i could not dream of spills of a crying nation upon my soul. Uh, yeah, that's like just so so well written. Uh, yeah, that 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 sounds like something Steve would write for sure. And it sounds appropriately politically incorrect for something Steve would write as well. Like, yeah, saying madman. I don't know if that's politically correct nowadays. What is a madman? Somebody with probably mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> It is though. Probably someone who wants to go to war. But like, what is a madman? Like, uh, like that's something that you would have said in the in faulty terrorists or something like you know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's a madman. <laughs> Nobody says that nowadays. Yeah. Steve Harris does, of course. Yeah. Well, mad in uh, in my in my language, kind of when I hear mad, it sounds like angry. Well, madman in a British context. Yeah, in a British context, I mean like crazy. You're crazy. 
So yeah, exactly. It means crazy. It means like something that we, we would have um, documented in two or three decades ago as like mad is what's now recognized as a mental health issue. Yes. Which didn't like think of if they wrote the song in the 80s, no one re- would even pay a second thought to that. To be honest, I don't think anyone has paid a second thought to it, but it was, it was just something that stood out to me. Not I actually don't give a shit if he writes the word madman but i think it's funny to see that yeah. word written in a song in 2021 uh, because it's it's not language that's commonly used anymore so i listened to this song a shitload of times and uh i couldn't actually get the the melody of the chorus into my mind like i i could hear it in my head it was like this kind of because they played a riff behind the chorus which is unusual for iron maiden there's some harmonies going on there Mm. but um after like 10 or 15 listens i this sounds contradictory because it is but after 10 or 15 listens this is the catchiest song on the album So, so it's like uh it's not instantly catchy but it's like something that if you give it a lot of time, it becomes stuck in your mind. Let's say maybe the opposite to a Lady Gaga song, where if you hear it once, you're walking away singing it and you're annoyed with yourself. You're going, oh, for fuck's sake, that <laughs> fucking song is stuck in my head. Whereas with this... The, the, the poker face. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with this, I'm, I'm, I, I, it took me a long time for it to get stuck in my head. And then, and then when I do find myself singing it or hearing it, I'm not actually bothered. But I'm like, yeah, 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 fucking um, yes. Stratego. Yeah, for sure. It took a while for that to happen for me. I think several listens when it finally was like, okay, this, this song is a standout and it, it fits well on, in its place on the album. The second, right after the title track. Um, what else is going to say? Oh, so do you know, like, I think there's a musical term for when the guitar plays the same melody as the vocals. I think there's, a, and I think, so I asked Nesbitt, because I, I, I think he referenced it in one of, one of his Talking Maiden episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't there like a technical musical term for that and he's like i think it's just called a yannickism <laughs> <laughs> well but, but, yeah a yannickism maybe but like it's it's not a, it's still not a common thing for iron maiden they don't do it very often like but they do it a lot on this album yes on this album yes they do yeah and they started doing it more in their later in their like more recent work but this album is like oh like Almost half of the songs have some mm. some Yannickisms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a, a bad thing or a good thing? I I love it actually. Like uh, it's sometimes it's so in Lost in the Lost in the Lost World. I love it. I love it. Like the, the that ending part, the last like minute or so. Love it, but. In Hell on Earth, it, it like they play that melody before it can maybe feel a little bit lazy in a way. Like they do it in Red and, and the Red and the Black too. And I find like I love the Red and the Black, but it's just I I feel like it's a a little bit 
I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it, I guess. I, I, I love how it sounds in most cases, but I guess from like a musical composition standpoint of just a little bit, like maybe it's kind of lazy in a way. I, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you feel about um, it? Some musician who's listening to this might correct me. Um, and please do so if I'm wrong, but to me on this album, it seems more like a harmony than the red and the black where Bruce was going and the riff was doing exactly the same. It was going whereas when he's going ocean is black the devil's track I feel that the riff is in a bit of a harmony to him. I don't think it's quite the same notes that are being played and it it creates a, a layer of melody that's not in the red and the black. I think it's going slightly different tones to one another and then it's going, ocean is black, but the, mar- the guitar is going, uh, so yeah. it's not exactly the same. It, it's in harmony with his vocals, which I think is better. Now, somebody who's listening to this, I'm going to say Jonathan Hedlund uh, is a good candidate for this. Uh, he's probably going to go, no, it's the exact fucking same, you moron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he knows the technical but, term uh, but the, that, other than Yannick. Is what a, I hear is uh, I hear a I hear a harmony with the guitar rather than a, a direct copy like. Yeah. So I think it's good. I like it. I yeah, I really like it too. Um, the, what about the solo? I, I should we play? Should we play the solo? Okay. This just reminds me of the X Factor so much. Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. Really cool licks in here. There we go. I love the way it builds to the chorus again. Love that, yeah. Again, really reminds me of the X Factor. Here we go. That gives me Power Slave vibes. But yeah, X Factor 2, I guess, yeah. And I must say, I love that chorus. I love it. Yeah, it's really, really, really catchy. In fact, I just love the line, Ocean is Black. For some reason, it just hooks me and... Do you know when you're like you listen to a song and there are particular lyrics that just stand out to you and you can't explain why and they 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 just they yeah. just resonate with you for some reason. The line "ocean is black." I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> it just hooks me in. I would. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that hear it live and just like scream it and hopefully there's people around me. That's that... it. Like what what the final notes I've written here are like snappy song would go down well live. Is the, is the last thing I've written here. Um, yeah, I think it would be a really, really good live song. All right. So um, um, we originally had this down maybe as a as a, as a a one-parter. That's obviously not going to happen. Yeah. Then before we went on the air tonight, we discussed the fact that it might be a two-parter. Yeah. Uh, that is not going to happen. No, um, I agree. So I, I reckon we're going to talk about the next song, The Writing on the Wall, and we're going to have to wrap it up for this episode because it's simply too much of a... It's too much of a huge album to just 
wrap up in one or two episodes. And also, there's so much going on in every song that we simply cannot do it justice by doing it in, in two episodes. I'm thinking three. How, how do you feel about that? Three sounds good. Maybe even four, depending on how many tangents we go on. Grant. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. I'd love to talk about the next song, The Writing on the Wall. It's the first single that was released from Senjutsu, I'm saying still. Um, yeah. We've all heard this probably maybe more than any other song on the album. Depends what your listening habits have been since the album was released. But um, you've got an acoustic intro. Um, it's People have said it sounds like it's a country kind of intro. It's it's a Western sound. Country Western, yeah. I would say more Western than country. Uh, country kind of has like a negative connotation in my mind. Hmm. To me, though, then... Like, and I'm asking myself this as much as you, but seeing as you're my correspondent here, what is Western? What does Western sound like? Oh, man. I guess I, I think of my dad. He, he, was a, he was a very, very passionate about music, mm. um, mostly 60s music. Like, it, literally, you could put on any song from the 60s within a second or two he would he would have the name of the song artist album like just the knowledge on this man okay in his 60s before like just of the of 60s music and he was in his 60s and could just like recall music of like artists whatever and then so i think in country and western is what is what he would call that genre, I guess, like country and Western. And then I think the artist that I think of is John Denver, hmm. kind of like country and Western. It's kind of folky, but like. What I'm saying specifically, like people have used the word Western in an isolated sense to, to describe this. So like, what, what does that mean to you? Or does it mean anything? I guess it just means like, cause country, I think of like, you know, pickup truck and my woman by, you know, <laughs> cans of beer and fucking a like. A woman let me so I bought a can of beer, you know, a pickup truck. And then I slipped my wrist and I hung myself and I killed my kid. But, <laughs> but Western, I feel, is has more emotion and um, more musical kind of feel. Okay to it rather than country i find it just like mindless simpleton kind of music and sorry to, if i offend anybody <laughs> by saying that, that well i would imagine like, you might offend it i feel like most most of the listeners of this podcast probably feel i'd imagine you might offend some people or... by saying mindless simpleton <laughs> <laughs> okay, mind. Uh, so it's a rather, it's a rather offensive choice of words. I, I mean, in musical. Oh, oh. I mean, oh, well, musical well, sense. That like, makes all the difference. You're, well, you're a mindless like, simpleton. Country music. music. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that you're mindless and or a simpleton. I just feel like it's. Simple, simple music. I'm a simple kind of man. There's a couple of chords and some twang. And like, I don't know, it just, in a, for some reason, millions and millions of people 
love uh here let's call it let's call it a fucking spade a spade millions and millions of people are mindless simpletons yeah i'll say it for you (laughs) so you don't have to yeah and 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 let's not be afraid of offending those people (laughs) i don't give a fuck if i offend those people yeah there you go mindless simpletons are listening to this they probably won't even get that it's about them yeah <laughs> You're yeah, like, oh, God, those simpletons yeah. are fucking. <laughs> you won't even realize. <laughs> They'll think it's about somebody else because uh, they're simple. But uh, sorry, when when I hear the the phrase Western, I think of like spaghetti westerns, Sergio Leone, that type of stuff. Um, uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly uh, for a few dollars more, that type of stuff. And um, when I hear the opening twang of um of the writing on the wall that actually kind of reminds me of that and i'm just going to play it here oh yeah so i can kind of see clint eastwood standing there with a with a little toothpick in his mouth with the poncho on the hat down below his head just going western when yeah so when i think western i think desert yeah but i can picture that i can picture the clint eastwood character the the man with no name uh, just standing there in his poncho and just looking angry at people like he has for the last 50 years. But then this fucking rip kicks in. Oh, it's so good. It's a fucking monster. In this part here. So clearly Adrian, too. So fucking hooky. gonna stop there but to me that is the hookiest riff they have written since the wicker man or dance of death if you want to choose that as being hooky but i can't think of a, I, I cannot think of a catchier riff they have written since most likely the wicker man hmm. yeah i think i think uh that sounds about right yeah i love the acoustic yeah the acoustic guitar at the start and then it slowly builds into like and then it just like ah oh, it's so good and bruce bruce sounds so good on this song we'll get to that in one second but i'm sure you watched it just like i did yeah for the very first time when when they oh the, the premiere oh for sure yeah when they when they debuted it yeah and um like an acoustic intro is not something completely foreign for Iron Maiden. They have done it, but like picked like that in the style that it is done is pretty much unique. And then Very when that unique. riff came, when that riff came in, it's like, like I was fucking shocked and appalled when that came in. Oh, I remember loving it immediately. That when it so that would have been a. When you saw it, it was six p.m. your time, right? It was one. I, yeah. I was I, I was in the pub with my friend Peter, who who used to be an Iron Maiden fan up until No Prayer for the Dying. He's in his forties now, and um, I was saying to him, "Look, I, like I, I agreed to go for pints with him because we'd been trying to arrange to go for pints for a while." But I was like, at six p.m., I'm watching Iron Maiden, and 
you are as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, all right, okay. <laughs> and I was like, Grant. What did he think of it? He actually really liked it. Now, I don't know if he was just pandering to me and being polite or, you know, being agreeable out of politeness. But um, as far as I could tell, he really liked it. But he, he, he threw in the towel on Iron Maiden after no prayer for the dying. So who knows what he actually thinks. Interesting. Yeah, I remember it. Um, it was 1 p.m. I barely slept the night before, but I was so excited. And then it came on. It's just, you know, beginning my day. It was, I think it was a Saturday. Was mm. it a Saturday? I was out for pints on the Friday anyway, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And then, like, we didn't know what was coming, but we kind of had an idea. It's probably a song, but we didn't know if it was going to be an announcement or like maybe a live show or something. And the, oh, we hadn't got a notion. Let's be honest; like we hadn't got a, a notion what was coming. Like, yeah, because it's like the WOTW. We still didn't really know at that point what that meant. And then, wait, did we know it? Did we know that it was writing on the wall? I guess not until they until they actually played that debut thing. Because then they had the I remember it when it started. It was like that slow writing. Oh my god, uh, that was absolutely insufferable. I was like, "What are you? I know, hurry up. I know. Come on!" I know, I know. <laughs> was, but it took yeah, that took like what seemed like an oh, eternity. Oh, it took about seventy years. Uh, eternity was, is oh, it's nothing but a short while. Yes. Exactly. So I wanted to fill them with my bile. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing that. <laughs> oh, I was like, you absolute prick teasing cunts. Like, yeah. Hurry up. But yeah, it was so slow. Oh, I guess because the, they were waiting for. But did they actually, when they did that, the, the writing, did they actually write writing on the wall or was it just W? I think they wrote, did they, I think they wrote writing on the wall afterwards. Okay. I think it was like drawn out. Okay. I don't know, but that might just be like, um, I, I don't know. It might, it might just be my memory just telling me that they, they drew it ever longer, but I, I can't remember exactly. I So that was the one time I, let, I watched the video and the only time I watched the video. Like I, I didn't, I thought it was, cool i didn't really pay too much attention to the mm. video i kind of mm. just listened to the song mostly and the video was cool but for any future listen i didn't listen with the video i just wa- listened to the song let me let me ask you about that so how do you feel about music videos in 2021 do you I don't do you ever watch them no no mm. i like no uh, Never. And like, when was the last time in your life where you would have consistently consumed <laughs> music videos? That's a good question. Uh, we used to have, there's in Canada, we had a channel similar to MTV. I don't even remember what it's called now. Oh, thank you. Chelsea was telling me much music was what it was called in Canada. Thanks, Chelsea. Um, yeah. <laughs> Virgil says hi. <laughs> um, much music. Yeah. So they used to, was, they used to play music videos. And then of course it like, like MTV, they stopped 
like, I don't know, they started playing TV shows and stuff and it wasn't about the music anymore. Hmm. So yeah, probably, I think the last time I cared about music videos, probably in the nineties when I was like 10. Yes. So sorry. What age are you now? Uh, I am 32. So born in 1989. Okay. So I was, I was 85. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're close enough, but I'm a bit older than you. But my, my main reason for asking that was because I'm similar. It's like the, the medium of the music video has, to me, been irrelevant since the 1990s. Uh, it's obsolete for, yeah, it's been for a while. I think I'm... Obsolete. Is, is, that's actually the word I was looking for. It's, it's, it's obsolete since the 1990s. And I'm kind of surprised that Iron Maiden put so much money and effort and time and months, apparently, according to Bruce Dickinson, into a music video where like most bands nowadays... I guess they had nothing else to do. Well, uh, it's, that's true. But like... I don't know. Like most bands nowadays will just put up a lyric video of some shite like Judas Priest or whatever, you know, just put up a lyric video of their latest single or like... X Night Demon did that. Yeah, too. X other band like, but yeah. but bands with much larger budgets than than Night Demon will will put still just put up a lyric video. And I'm wondering who sits there and watches music videos in 2021. And perhaps I'm like way out of touch, and loads of people do. But we live in the era of TikTok, you know, and Snapchat and Instagram, where everything is quick fast and done in a few yeah. seconds like yeah. who sits there and watches a six Good attention span is now is I, I also know nothing. and i'm not oblivious to the fact that like we also live in the era of box sets and binging and watching lengthy um series of like or podcasts yes but at the same time i think visually on a short like, like for for like a short piece of media like I don't know too many people who would sit there and watch their phone, let's say, for, I don't know how fucking long that song was, uh, six minutes and 13 seconds for a music video, or who would sit in front of their computer for six minutes and 13 seconds for a music video. Uh, so I, I, kind of, I find it surprising that they put so much effort and time and money and stuff into a music video in, in 2021. And it's not like they, it was all animated. It wasn't really like a typical music video that I would think of where it's like the band doing something and acting something out in some sort of like theatrical or funny or whatever way. This one was all animated. So I feel like it's, it's not at all. It's not really like a normal music video. I would think like that you would think of traditional. And to be to be honest, I, I kind of find it hard to pay attention to animation. Um, I've never been a big Disney person. I've never been a big, like, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I find it hard to pay attention to something animated when it's supposed to be serious. I, I can watch The Simpsons, obviously, or Family Guy, or South Park. Like, But, like, yeah, but if, like, if I'm supposed to pay attention to something that's serious and it's animated, I, I, I zone out. I'm just like ah, it's a, it's a fucking cartoon. Like when it when it when it where are the jokes? And like I know there was like eight billion references to previous Iron Maiden albums and all sorts of different things in the video. But like I didn't follow. I didn't follow that. That's lost on yeah, me. Like it was lost on me. Too. Like that's lost on me. Like and I'm not like an ADHD nineteen year old. You know, going oh I can't watch a fucking video. Sorry, 
if that's insensitive. But uh, I I can have an attention span when it's necessary, but a six plus minute video, animated video in 2021, that it that does not appeal to me whatsoever. Right. And we didn't even talk about the video for Stratego. I haven't even watched it. So I, I couldn't talk about it if I wanted to. Yeah. Right. So that one I, I only watched once also. And it was just, just because I think that they were, that was when they released it. They also released a video. And so I watched it once, but I don't, couldn't tell you anything about it. Just like I couldn't tell you much about the video for writing on the wall. I remember a desert. I remember like this character, Eddie looking like character. And then like, I don't know, riding on the storm. <laughs> oh, like, I mean, like I've listened to podcasts since and like there was a lot of depth and meaning to all of those scenes. I've listened to Bruce talking about it. And I know there was a lot of effort put into it, but like, I don't know, for, for me, and I, I think I represent a decent proportion of Iron Maiden fans. Uh, it, I can't say it fell on deaf ears, but it fell on blind eyes, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. It's just not for me. The lengthy, in-depth animated video, it's it's not something that I get interested in. Uh, I, I'm now in the Spotify era where I listen to most of my music on Spotify and Actually, when somebody sends me a video clip of something, I get actually I get annoyed. And especially if it's like if it's over one or two minutes long, I'm just like, fuck in hell. <laughs> you know, when somebody sends you like a video on WhatsApp, you're like, oh, my Christ, I have to watch this now. And I have to comment on it. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> what I mean, did I ever do to you? I guess it depends. It depends what it is. But yeah, if it's just like music, I'm just going to listen to it and not look at the video. I get hugely put out. If, if somebody sends me a song, for example. Or if it's just people talking, like, I'm just going to listen to them talking. I'm not going to look at the video. Like, I don't, but, like, I don't know. that, the problem with YouTube is that, like, you can't just switch off the video and listen to it because that's not how it works. So, like, my, my issue is, like, if somebody sends me a song as well, and it's a YouTube video of the song where it's, like, there's no video, but it's just the album cover and, a four minute and 39 second video i immediately look it up on spotify and go can i listen to this on spotify and if i can't i'm just like i'm not listening to that shit because i'm not watching my screen for four minutes and 39 seconds of a still image while i listen to a song yeah it's 2021 like just fuck off (laughs) with that being said i guess uh when iron maiden released all the songs on youtube they they put out artwork for each of the songs mm. i haven't delved in into those too much but uh, I, the artwork like it, like it's just like on the video the the video put air quotes again but it's just like whatever artwork and then they just play the song over the artwork i i can't watch that shit though i, I can't just watch artwork like they have it on spotify as well it's like a, a waving flag or yeah and again i'm like i'm like who is this for who's this designed for who 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 is your target audience of the waving senjutsu flag yeah and why have you done it because do you think some people are just going to sit there and look at their phone for 
11 minutes and 20 seconds while listening to Death of the Celts watching a waving Sinjutsu flag. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And uh, yeah, the quality isn't as good uh, on the YouTube video. Like the quality is better, I find, on Spotify and or... Apologies, 10 minutes, 10 minutes and 20 seconds for Death of the Celts. Sorry. Uh, yeah. How dare you? How dare I? My God. <laughs> Steve Harris was shaved a minute off. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, look, I feel like I've been on a negative rant for a long time here. Um, no, I mean, we're just talking about music videos in general, but I feel like the video was probably like video was pretty, pretty well done, I think, like from the one time I watched it. But like the song, if we get back into the song and then our, I think our emotion will change back to positive. I feel like Bruce sounds amazing on this song like if we just start from like if you want to play a clip of the first like when he gets it like when he starts like the first line of the song like even though even the first line of the song across the painted desert lies a train of animals. uh how about this one <laughs> I always thought it was from Hollywood to Birmingham, but it's not. Do you know what the real words are? Yeah, to Babylon? Yes. Oh, I can't wait for this live. Me neither. I love it. I love it. I think this this one, I think, is the one I'm looking most forward to in a live setting. All right, so that was me and Andrew Dubroy speaking about Senjutsu, the new Iron Maiden album released on the 3rd of September this year, as well you know. Uh, So as I said at the start, if you haven't checked him out on Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, have a listen and hear his Iron Maiden story, which I know a lot of and is very interesting. And if you have come here from Uncle Steve's podcast, I thank you for listening to Feckin' Metal. Maybe you'll enjoy some of the episodes in the archives. It's part of a podcast network that's the feckin check-in podcast network there are other podcasts in there as well that aren't related to heavy metal but you can find the feckin metal ones quite easily just by the artwork or the title of the episode so i hope we didn't get too drunk and belligerent during that which was a two and a half hour chat by the way which i edited down for the purposes of this episode it's almost an uncle steve length episode in fact it is um but yeah thanks for sticking with us and we're gonna talk to you again I'm going to say next week, and it's fingers crossed for that, 
Um, but I have scheduled in a chat with Andrew this Friday as I speak to you now. It's the 4th of the 10th. It's Tuesday. Um, and you'll be listening to this the day after on Wednesday. Sorry. As I speak to you now, it's Monday, the 4th of the 10th. And you'll be listening to this uh, the day after on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, I'm speaking to Andrew again on Friday. And I should have another episode up for you next Tuesday about that. Uh, hopefully we'll get through a few more songs. It's probably unlikely that we'll get through the rest of the album in one episode. Based on how long it took us to talk about the first three songs on this episode. But we'll see. Maybe uh, miracles do happen. Anyway, thanks for listening. This has been Feckin' Metal. I've been your host, Fergal Trainer, And I will see you next time. <laughs>